Gig Gab, episode 411 for Monday, January 8th, 2024. And welcome to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire today. Easy for me to say. I am Dave Hamilton. And today we have a special guest, listener, but more importantly, audiologist and host of the Talking Ears podcast, Frank Wardinger. Frank, thank you for coming on the show and talking to us about all things hearing and ears. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Same. Yeah, yeah. I was glad when you had reached out about, uh, mm-hmm. after some of our recent conversations about in-ear monitors. It's a topic we've been talking about on this show for, well, it's an almost nine-year-old show, so for almost nine years. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get old. And Well, it doesn't. And I, I, I have been protecting my hearing since I was 14 years old when I read an mm-hmm. article where Alex Van Halen said he had lost like 70% in one ear and 30% in the other. And it's been a mission of mine ever since. I've been on in-ears for about 20 years. And yeah. so I, I'm always happy to talk to folks and and help educate people about this and educate myself about this too, because I, I only know what I've learned and picked up along the way. So sure. tell us about... Uh, tell us about who you are. I mean, obviously you, you're an audiologist, which means you went to school for, for audiology. Are you also a musician and, and, and that sort of thing? Like what got you into this realm of, of, of things? Yeah, it's a great question. I actually, I, boy, I think this is one of the reasons why I like to listen to your show when I, when it was introduced to me is, uh, I spend my free time playing in bands and playing gigs and I came up in music, uh, mostly recording, mostly live sound production as well. Got it. Um, so my undergrads in production, studio production technically, but uh, did most of my actual like work work in the industry as a front of house engineer. Um, and I still make and produce music and that's kind of my whole life. But for the last, let's see, I guess it's been about 12 years now. I've been a audiologist uh, working with uh patients on protecting their ears, uh, testing their hearing. Um, My primary patient load right now is musicians and industry professionals. So that's what I have focused my attention to. Amazing. And you practice in the, is it the Philadelphia area? Is that, did I have that right? Yep. Okay. Philadelphia Uh, area, all over this area. Just in case there's folks who are local to you, uh, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I wish I could find a an audiologist who was also a musician because it would make mm-hmm. a lot of these conversations <laughs> I need to have easier. We can shortcut some yeah. of those. Yeah. 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 So it, you're, you, I, I'm, I'm sort of curious about this. Your mm-hmm. typical patient are, are they, is someone who's like suffering some hearing loss or looking to protect their hearing? Like what, what brings specifically mm-hmm. musicians through your door? It's 50-50. I would say about half the calls I get are simply for, hey, I need some in-ear monitors, or I really need some custom hearing protection, or uh, how can I keep my guitar player from not hurting me on stage every night because this has gotten too loud. (laughs) Like the kind of functional nitty-gritty, protect your ears conversation. The other half are people who've already either injured themselves, injured their ears, uh, gotten tinnitus, gotten... Uh, hyperacusis, you know, sensitivity to loud sounds or even hearing loss and need help with that. I work with a lot of people with hearing aids already who are trying to keep their stage life alive. Yep. yep. Um, and that's the whole separate, that could be a four hour conversation. Got it. Right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And then there's also just people who, and this is kind of my favorite, uh, although it's a pretty small uh, minority of the folks are, hey, I just want to make sure my ears are working fine. What I'm doing is healthy. I'm protecting myself, kind of like your conversation up front. I've been doing this for 20 years, protecting my ears for 20 years. I mean, and uh, am I doing everything right? And the answer is usually, yeah, we're fine. That's so good. Keep, keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah. So in in a general sense, and I, and I realize this mm-hmm. might be ground we've covered on this show before, but coming from you, I, I'd love to hear yeah. the answer to what are the things that, 
those of us who are routinely subjecting ourselves to to mm-hmm. loud sounds, both as musicians and and fans of music or people that wind up watching you know yeah. live music in in loud venues like what what are the things that that we could and and though I don't like the word should be doing <laughs> I like could I like freedom of choice of same sense, right yeah. if you want to go off and uh you know eat too much listen to too loud stuff go too fast that's your choice right I guess and that's and fair. We, <laughs> we all have, you know, you got to be able to live your life. Yeah. So there, there was a, a good there was a gig. There was a gig recently. Uh, yeah. Well, last year, I guess maybe maybe even two years ago, where I had been, I was on stage with a uh, a B three with a Leslie for the first time yeah. in a long time, and I thought, and I was just I wasn't playing drum set. I was playing congas and singing harmonies, and I thought, you know what? I'm not wearing earplugs for this one. I'm going to enjoy the sound mm-hmm. of that <laughs> of that I was Leslie flapping your flapping your. Uh, your your shirt a little bit yeah exactly I love that it was oh. like you know i'm i i know that this isn't something i want to do all the time but tonight i'm gonna let myself do this but yeah. so anyway so anecdotes yeah. aside yeah what are those things so there's there's a quick like three branch way of saying this which i kind of appreciate this is from a group called dangerous decibels and i, I just like the simplicity of this they say you can do three things one turn it down okay two walk away or three, if those two don't work, protect your ears. So if you have a chance to turn it down, that's the first move, right? And that goes back to all of us guitar players, drummers, it's a little harder, right? How are you going to turn a drum set down in a gig? Sure. Rehearsing, you can mute them, but like, you know, in a gig, it's kind of tough. But if you have a choice, just bring it down a little bit. And even a 3 dB decrease oh, yeah. in output is twice as safe or half as dangerous. So it doesn't take a lot to make a big improvement in your safety. Uh, walk away, right? If that's that's obviously not <laughs> appropriate if you're at the band. <laughs> but um, I, that goes for other sounds in your life, right? So if you're in the band, your ears are important for when you're up on stage and you want to listen to that Leslie, right? And you want to listen to those wonderful tones yep. of that B3. That's not important for when you're mowing the lawn, right? Your ears don't matter for when you are cutting firewood or mowing the lawn or or doing other stuff in your life that's just loud. So yeah. protect your ears during that stuff or don't do that stuff. Sure. Right? Think about it like an athlete. If you're an athlete and you got a game the next day, are you going to go, you know, do some manual labor around the yard and potentially hurt yourself? No. So be a little bit more careful of your ears just like an athlete does of, of their bodies. Well, I and like the last that. one is, yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of a... I have a friend in audiology. Uh, her name's Heather Maliak. She's kind of a like the music audiologist, music audiologist, if that makes sense. Okay. She um, she always says that musicians are small muscle small. Ooh, I can't say it. Small muscle athletes. Ooh, I like that so much. Small muscle athletes. Athletes of the very small yeah. muscles in your fingers. Yeah, the dexterous the dexterous muscles, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, but endurance is important, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And the small muscles in your ears too, right? Like so. There you go. Yep. In your mouth, everything. Yep. So uh, I love that. That's nice. Um, the last one then is if all of that fails, then we have to protect our ears. And the reason why I put that last and why I think that it's helpful to think of it last is it's so often the case that somebody like me who, oh, I'm an audiologist. I, I'm all about safety and protecting your ears. It's so often that the only message that we get to send is plug up your ears. And as a musician, you know, as well as I do, there's a compromise whenever you stick something in your ears. Yes. There's, there's maybe a positive if, if we're talking about in-ear monitors or if we're talking about bringing down loud stage volumes with filtered earplugs, there's a positive there, right? You can hear better. You can hear more clearly. Your ears aren't distorted and fatigued by the end of the night. But there's always a negative, too. And we have to balance that. And some people can't get over the negative. The isolation of inner monitors, oh, yeah. the odd sound of your voice when you have earplugs in. And if we ignore the fact that there's a negative or a consequence, then I feel like I'm just yelling at people to protect themselves. And then it sounds like I'm just saying floss every day. You know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have the uh practicality. Yeah. Fair. Know? Fair. 
Yeah, in- interesting. Yeah, it, 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 and all of this makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about. Well, let, let let let's stick with the protect your ears in, sure. in a general sense thing. The most practical part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, but but I mean, like these other things, I, turning it down. How do you? Maybe that's a better place mm-hmm. to start because we can put earplugs in. I want to talk about the different types of earplugs and kind of where you fall on that. But let, let no, let's let's visit this turning it down. Sure. How do you coach someone who is used to having a blisteringly loud guitar mm-hmm. on stage mm-hmm. through the process of hey, you know, if you're not comfortable or you're not ready yet to move to IEMs, which like you said is a whole it's a transition and not yes. everybody succeeds at it. You know, if you're not yep. ready for that, how do you coach somebody through dealing with softer sounds? Mhm. Yeah, I think it depends on the stage where the person's at, right? Because okay. I have people come to me, they're either young or they're not young anymore, but their ears haven't haven't realized that they're not young anymore and they yep. still test perfectly. They don't have any auditory issues. They um, are just doing what they're doing and they have been loud on stage for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, and they, they're saying, why, why do I have to change? And the answer is short. You know, there's a couple couple ways to handle that first off if it makes you happy do it right we said that go. right at the beginning yes like if you makes if loud guitar makes you happy play loud guitar right yep but look at the consequences look at the downstream things that happen which is if you're louder than everything else on the stage because you like your double stack or whatever um you're actually hurting the show Right, you're hurting the sound. You're you're making it harder for the front of house engineer. You're making it harder for everybody who's in the front row. You're making it harder for the other uh, musicians on stage to hear themselves, to get a good monitor mix. Talk to your monitor engineer and see if they like the fact that you've got a double stack timed <laughs> on stage. Probably not. Yep. Right. So, you know, enjoy what you enjoy, but be a good neighbor. Be a good team mm. player. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but that said, you know, if gosh. Loud guitar amps sound amazing. So the other end of that is spend some time. I can focus on guitar here, but it applies to pretty much any other instrument. Spend some time experimenting with the gear. If you're a gearhead and you like the loud gear, you can get a Fender Champ to sound amazing at a lower volume than your, you know, 100-watt Marshall head uh, if you take some time to experiment with it. Right. And we're all chasing, yeah, we're all chasing this sound that we hear on records, right? We're chasing that, you know, the Led Zeppelin guitar tone or, you know, Judas Priest or whatever. We're chasing that sound. But then if we go and look at the studio notes, most of them use small amps in a big room, turned all the way up. Miked miked in a certain way. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yep. And and what you just said is true for drummers too. Like, uh, you know, hmm. I can find a ride symbol that sounds like what I want my ride symbol to sound like. And it, it, it can, you know, one, one model can be half the volume and half the wash and half the presence of another volume. And yeah. I, I think it's really important not just to listen, even when listening to records, not just to listen to the sound of any one instrument, but how that instrument fits into the mix. Because yes. a big part of, like the Led Zeppelin guitar sound or even the Led Zeppelin drum sound is that those instruments, none of them were just washing all over the EQ spectrum, right? Like Correct. they were fit very well into their own pockets of the EQ. And yeah. certainly there's some overlap, but each instrument had its own little home so it could breathe and sound yep. great in yep. the mix. And I just, yep. I, I feel like, you know, we all get used to our, it, it's an easy trap to fall into. We don't all do this, but it's an easy trap to fall into where we get used to what our instrument, our drums, our guitars, our voice even sounds like alone in our studio or our bedroom or our basement or wherever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And then we just take that thinking onto the stage with us, which is, I, of course, it's going to be different. A, it's a different room and B, there's other instruments yeah. around now. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Finding your home within your that specific band, I think, is is something that's mm-hmm. lost and can really help 
not just the overall sound of the, the mix, but our hearing in the end, because you get to be in a quieter. huge way. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know a lot of bands, and, and this is kind of a lot of people's move now to answer this question of like, but I like my big amp, or I like this specific amp at, you know, at its breakup point. Um, there's a lot of, and, and this is definitely, this takes a little bit more real estate, so much more uh, higher higher-end touring bands get sure. to do this where they take their amps and they put them in iso chambers backstage or below stage or they uh, use diminish like uh power diminishers on yep. the on the speakers or you know there's lots of tricks to get the same or similar tone but be a good neighbor and be a good partner at the same time um I had I had a good example, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this quote, but it was a it was a Sorry, patient. Who told I butcher me things recently. all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? Why not? Uh, he he told me that he he and his band talk about everything as side dishes. That at any given moment there might be a main dish, like an entree, like a you know the chicken or whatever, and that's probably going to be the singer or the soloist or whoever's doing the intro. But everything else is a side dish, and it's there to support. Some of them are there to be a little bit salty, a little bit sweet, a little bit spicy, but nothing is supposed to carry the whole meal, right? Yeah. So you got to sit back and recognize what role you're playing in this scene or what role your instrument is or your character is in this moment. And I just like that analogy of the side dish better. Yeah. You know, it's really, it reminds you that like, you know, the mashed potatoes are important, they don't have to be the only thing you eat. In fact, that's probably going to be a bad meal. That's a bad, yeah. Even, well, even if, you know, you take the entree of the, you know, the chicken or the steak mm -hmm. or the fish or whatever, like that's the entree, but it's still going to be kind of a boring meal if that's the only thing yeah. you eat. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as a, I'm a keyboard player primarily when I play live nowadays with bands. Um, yep. And I think of it like I'm here to serve a lot of functional purposes. And every once in a while, somebody's looking at me like right. people are listening to what I'm doing. But most of the time I'm just filling in. I'm just, I'm yeah. here for support, for chords, for piano, for organ, whatever it is. Uh, I'm a side dish. I like that. I like that idea. No, that's a, that's a good perspective to have. All right. Yeah. So we've talked about turning it down. Now let, let's do, let's talk about protecting our ears. So, mm -hmm. uh, ear let's start with your plugs uh, for this. Sure. There's all kinds of earplugs out there. There's the, you know, the foam ones, the, 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 the putty that we shove in our ears. And then there's the mm -hmm. more technologically advanced ones that have filters and even adjustable filters. Like we talked about a couple yep. of weeks ago. So where do these, if, if, if I walked into your office and said, okay, Hey, I know I need to, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years old. I, I just learned about Alex Van Halen. I'd want to protect my hearing what do you recommend to me as a drummer and someone who likes to go see live music? Yeah, that's great. So uh, the short answer to that direct question is probably a pair of filtered earplugs that knock down the sound level, but do so in a musical way. Do so okay. in a way that's not going to color the sound too much, change the timbre, knock out the highs. They're just going to bring the volume down, kind of like you hit a dim switch on your mixing board or you just turn down the volume of the world. Yep. That's the goal. That's the ideal filtered earplug. And we'll get back to that one. But okay. the long answer is uh, there's so many options and foam earplugs uh, that still are sold in music stores. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I think of them as they're like a sledgehammer, right? They yes. are really good at taking care of big problems really effectively okay but you would never play your drums with a hammer right i, I mean You'd never sometimes it might be fun but you know <laughs> <laughs> i uh, now taken. i'm remembering yes. i'm remembering a uh, video of maynard james from uh what's the name maynard, maynard james keenan from Keenan. Tool? thank you yeah yes I always want to say Maynard James Ferguson, but that's... I feel like that's there's a, a mashup here, man. There's like, a mashup. This a is, trumpet playing Maynard James Keenan. Maybe we got to... Maybe we just got to change gears and explore this for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I remember a video of him playing drums with a shotgun. Um, anyway, moving back. Fair. Uh, yes. So hammers are made for construction. Foam earplugs are made for 
construction work, all that, all that noise, literal noise in the world that we just need to protect ourselves from. So think of it like a hard hat or like a, like a hammer. It's just there to get rid of all the sound that's dangerous, but it's not musical at all. So think of a filtered earplug, whether it's an over-the-counter filtered earplug, a uh, universal fit, or a custom one, think of that as like a pair of drumsticks. Okay. It's been made to play the instrument. It's been made to be musical. And then there's all these specialty ones out there that I think of like, I'm trying to do drum analogies with you. but It doesn't uh, matter. No, our listeners are not just drummers. In fact, that's probably the minority. Our, our listeners are actually musicians, not drummers. So, you know. Oh, <laughs> bingo. I get to say the percussionists. that. You know. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So the, well, the last analogy there would be that there are specialty earplugs that I would think of more like, you know, mallets and special, special types of uh, hitting implements that do special things for special circumstances. But the general purpose filtered earplug is what most concert goers and most musicians need and want and prefer when they're on stage, Um, you know. There's a compromise always, yeah. but they're the ones that do the job correctly. So, you know, as, as someone coming in, not quite sure of what, even how this is going to feel to play with mm-hmm. earplugs, probably not ready to invest in custom fit mm-hmm. earplugs and all that. Are there, I mean, are there brands that you might recommend, or models specifically you might recommend? Sure. I mean, on the show, okay, yeah, 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 I'd love to hear. Yeah, yeah, so the one that... The one filtered earplug that I have been recommending for uh, my whole time being an audiologist, and it still kind of stands as the strongest, is actually the original filtered universal fit earplug from Atomotic. The ER20. Atomotic Research. Yep. yep, the ER20. Yep. Atomotic Research, they make um, some of the best, you know, yeah. reference in-ear monitors um, or, or earphones. Uh, but they pioneered the filtered earplug back in the 80s. Sure did. And created this universal fit version of it in the 90s that just stands as kind of the best quality one as far as the sound quality goes and the fit. And it's got, you know, whenever they research filtered earplugs and, you know, wire cutter or whoever else is going to go through and look at the best 20 concert earplugs, this one always comes out as it's just sounds the best it has the flattest frequency response and you can measure this thing on a on a uh you know on a uh real air microphone system and we just go hey look there flat. it is yeah um relatively flat right right so yeah, yeah, yeah i'm always happy to uh recommend that one there's an older version that's like 15 bucks there's a newer version that's about 20 bucks yep. it's one of the cheapest ones so i i just tell musicians look even if you're going to get a custom earplug even if that's your your move in the end just start with these go you know, get them same day delivery it doesn't matter um get a couple pairs of them i have you know guitar cases and keyboard cases and i just have a couple sets just stashed in every one because i don't want to be somewhere without them a, a piece of advice keep a set in your car folks i can't yes. tell you how many times i've been so happy to know that i have earplugs in my car and if you travel Keep a set in, you know, whatever your travel bag is, because I find myself, you know, somewhere at some conference and it's like, oh, hey, there's a band playing tonight at, at that party. Let's go see it. It's like, oh, thank goodness I, I have earplugs with me. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. hundred no, percent. No, that's, that's, that's actually the best advice. And uh, there's keychain attachments yep. for earplugs. And honestly, I have a lot of musicians who wear or have a keychain attachment that's just a little pillbox. With a bunch, with a couple of foamies in it, yeah, because they squeeze in there, right? Yep. And then you just have something with you all the time. Um, I keep some foamies in the case where I have my my custom earplugs, so that yep. if I'm with a friend, I can like, oh, here, yep. here you go, or you know, I see somebody at a concert that clearly is, especially kids, like it. Yeah. I, it, it the thing is, everybody's hearing is being negatively impacted by a loud show. Kids will show it more. And so right. it's like I often will offer to the parents like, hey, do you want to give your kids these earplugs? You know, so, yeah. 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 Well, and they didn't, you know, they didn't drive themselves there. They right. Didn't they didn't the choose ticket. this. They don't have the agency. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Fair. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, hey. and their hearing is arguably more sensitive and more likely to get damaged. Far than more. Ours. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a, yeah. 
I know that's kind of an aside, but protect your kids' ears, man, <laughs> for everybody. Yes. You know, please. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Uh, one, one, have you had any experience with the loop earplugs? My family mm-hmm. seems to love these. Have you any, anything yeah. good or, or, or bad or indifferent about those that you found? Well, I should, I should, and this will factor in, there are two or three dozen other, uh, not universal fit. Yep. Filtered earplug out there um, that have made waves throughout the years. Loop is one of the more kind of trendy one over the last two years. Um, personally, I love the design of it. It looks cool, and if, it and just hides that, in your ear. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and 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 when you do see it, it, it looks actually cool. looks cool yeah. rather than looking kind of lame. So uh, earplugs tend to fall into the lame category more often than the cool category. <laughs> so it's nice when people make something that actually has like a design aesthetic to it. Um, that's nice, right? It just motivates people to, to want to look into it. The loop is pretty nice. Uh, they sound pretty good. Um, I've had some people switch from that back to the ER twenties just because the frequency response is, is more level, but for concert goers, it almost ticks more boxes because it doesn't look like a, you know, piece of transparent plastic that was designed for sound and not for looks. Yes, yes, it's, function over form. Yeah, yeah. They 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 balance the two, which is yeah. cool. Um, one of the earlier models of that kind of concept with the dubs, those have been. Oh, I remember much, the dubs. Sure. Yeah. Yep. They they had a big splash, and I got grumpy about them because they sounded. And I apologize to anybody who uh, worked on them. Uh, they sounded real bad. Uh, when you're a musician, when you're a concert goer, they're cool because you retain all the bass up yeah. to about 300 hertz. You hear just full on, absolutely no protection down there. But they knocked out like 25 dB in the highs. So as a musician, it's like, I can't wear these. Yeah, right. But they got some cool people to promote them and they looked cool and yeah. people bought them. Yeah. And I'm all for protecting yourself That's in other, fair. any way that goes. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. There's a couple other ones. I don't know how many I should name, but uh, Vibes are pretty common. Okay. Uh, erasers. Um, there's one that, <laughs> uh, how do I want to tell this story? I just worked with a with a small group from one of these mega churches. Uh, they got everybody hooked into this one kind of earplug that they realized they made a mistake because they can't say the name of it in their church or to their <laughs> youth groups or when they're talking about it so they had to come up with it so they call it the eg because it's called the eargasm oh i know about the eargasm sure yeah, yeah you can't say that in your church sure oops oops uh so they yeah yeah again marketing though uh chooses these things and guess what sometimes it motivates people to purchase it well so you, I'm, it's I'm a name you that that catches your ear so to say, it catches your ear. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's what just, I do. It's I can't help love it. it. <laughs> I um, love it. Well, there's about four go, more jokes we won't go into. That's right. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you build it, they, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I said. It's what I do. I can't help myself. So help me. When I'm, yes. I'm always curious about this. When you, you said you did a lot of front of house sound. Mm-hmm. Are, would you wear earplugs when doing front of house sound? Like, how do you balance that? We had uh, Brad Maddox uh, on mm-hmm. a number of years ago. He's front of house for Florence and the Machine. He was with Rush yeah. for a long time. And he said, you know, if he's going to a show, he'll wear earplugs. But he said, you know, if I'm going to put earplugs in while doing sound at like a Rush show, he's like, I put foamies in because that's what most of the audience had. That kind of blew me away. So I'm I'm just yeah. curious, like, how do you protect your hearing as a front of house engineer while still mixing for the unfortunate masses who aren't yet protecting their hearing? <laughs> Man, this is uh, this will take up the rest of the the call. No, um, <laughs> there's there's so much depth to this one question, and I spend a lot of time working with engineers. Um, front of house, monitor engineers, um, systems engineers on this specific question of how do you trust what you're hearing when it's too loud? You know, 95, your average concert at front of house, 95 DBA, you know, average. Yeah. That's too loud. Yeah. Right. That for our ears, but that's the average, right? Sometimes it's up to 105 even, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> we're we're distorting our ears at that level. Our ears are literally distorting to a point where we're not hearing the clear, true nature of it, but we are hearing what the audience is hearing. Yep. So how do we decide which which hat do we want to wear and emphasize at the right time? And my answer to that is that you got to do both, unfortunately. You have to hear what the room is doing. That's part of the job. Yep. Hear, hear what's happening in the air. Hear the effect that it's having on your body, having on the room, seeing if you're vibrating anything you're not supposed to vibrate in the Fair. room. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but if you go unprotected for, let's say, a two-hour, three-hour show as the front of house engineer, your ears will, at 100 dB, almost guaranteed everybody out there will start to fatigue, meaning they're going to lose some high end right around three to six K sensitivity. And as you go through the night, your natural reaction is going to compensate for that. You're going to reach up and change some EQs and change some levels and, and change the balance. And typically speaking, we see levels rise throughout the night and the brightness of the show rise throughout the night. And this is across the board. And some people could argue, well, that makes sense because everybody else's ears the are audience is doing the same thing. Yeah, right. Right. So everybody in the audience three hours into the show is going to go, it sounds muffled now. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah, let me right? tell you why. They, people yeah. don't want to hear that conversation, uh, you know, no. two, two hours into a two hour and 30 minute show. <laughs> no, you don't want to hear... Um, it's like being told that you made a mistake, right? Yes. People either say, oh, okay, so next time I'll learn from that, or they dig their heels in and say, absolutely not, I don't believe that. So that is, that's a polarizing conversation. Oh, yeah, no, it's to. not. It's not fun to have at a concert. There's no point. No. Yeah, yeah. No, and they, they spent money. This is a night out. This is not supposed to be work for them. But for the people who it is work, we need to think of it more professionally. So yeah. my answer is you have to, you have to, wear both hats and the other hat of it is by protecting yourself with a filtered earplug with something that's relatively flat and learning that so ear training to that earplug knowing what it sounds like just Mm -hmm. like knowing what your monitors sound like just like knowing what your headphones sound like and how that translates to what the room is you can wear those earplugs filtered earplugs for the majority of the night and just do a spot check i usually say the first couple songs And then there's going to be songs throughout a set that you know are coming up that are tricky, that you have to pop out to hear that ballad or to hear that complicated thing or that, that cue that's tough to get the delay right or whatever. Sure. Um, And then very often, you know, the encore is just kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy for the encore. That's right. You know, I'm sorry. It's just fun. No, even Um, when I go to shows, I will often pop my earplugs out for the encore and just enjoy the sound of the room and then go home. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just like, well, you know, at this point, I've done, I've protected myself. Yep. Right. I've earned this. Exactly. Um, uh, So, so that's usually my, that's kind of my starting recommendation for front of house engineers is do sound check without your plugs in, get, get everything right. Yep. Right. Do the first couple songs without your plugs in, get everything right. No interest trust your mix and then stop fiddling with it pop your earplugs in and then you're maintaining your mix throughout the night now that works for some bands for other bands i know that that's not the way that they have to run because there's so many changeovers in the middle of the set um festival folks um have this tricky if they're doing 20 minute sets of 16 bands in one day it's like well what does that mean (laughs) Yeah, where, yeah. Where where you do know, you go from there? Band is sure. only playing four songs, so so I mean, you got to be careful with that. But um, generally speaking, that that's where we start, and then we can kind of go one way or the other. Oh, um, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about in ear monitors in general, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I I think there's there's a lot here. One thing, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on on in-ear monitors uh, as we as we go through this where i'd like to start though is something that you do professionally which is the subject of getting molds done yep. when someone comes in you are an audiologist that is a musician and routinely works with musicians 
most mm-hmm. audiologists I talk with, I have to like they understand the idea of in ear monitors from a ten thousand mm-hmm. foot level, but they have no concept of what this is going to be like, why certain things are important, why certain things matter or don't matter. And yeah. so what I'd love to hear from you is not only what you do with a patient that comes in as you're getting them fitted for IEMs, but advice that you would give to someone who is not close enough to have you be the one to help them you know, get fitted for these and what what knowledge we can arm our listeners with as they go to their audiologist and even seek out their uh, the, the appropriate audiologist in their neighborhood to get them fitted so that they can go down this path. Yeah, that's great. That's there's a lot um, trying to decide where to start with that. Cause there's a lot to kind of unpack, but let's start at the very end of that okay. kind of getting people to the resources Yep. Right. And you're totally 100% correct. 90 something percent, maybe 99% of audiologists, uh, they can do ear, ear mold impressions great because that's part of our training. That's part of our task with hearing aids. But hearing aids, 85% of hearing aids nowadays, that number might be wrong. You can quote me, but it might be wrong, uh, are not custom fit anymore. They're uh, right behind the ear, universal pieces in the ear. We still have to make custom fits, but significantly less than 10 years ago, even significantly less. So this is kind of a uh, skill that everybody knows how to do, but it's going by the wayside a little bit as far as how often they're doing it. Mm. Um, mm. So the other thing to think about there then is that your general audiologist did not choose to work with musicians and generally is fitting hearing aids, doing hearing testing. And when we come in and say, I need in-ear monitors, their office staff very often is the person answering that phone call. And they say, what? Because that's not on my list of things. Oh yeah. They have no idea. They, they need no to idea. go talk to the doctor and call you back. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, what we're doing in music audiology. So I consider myself a music audiologist. Like and what this. we're doing, this small group of music audiologists, is we're spending a lot of time uh, educating is a, is a polarizing word too, but we're spending a lot of time putting out education about how to handle that exact question from the audiologist perspective. Mm. So we do a lot of um, professional training uh, at conferences, um, I've got webinars constantly um, training audiologists on how to work with musicians. We even wrote a 20-something page practice guideline for uh, the American Academy of Audiology just saying, here's what you do. When somebody calls in and says, hey, I'm a musician looking for in-ear monitors or earplugs, these are the steps. Yeah. You know, and so the audiologist, the, the doctor in the space, in the office that you call, they might say, yeah, let me go look that up. Type, type, type. Now I know what to do. And then they'll call you back and they'll have, you know, a, a, a 10,000 foot overview, like you said. But that's better than, you know, flying by the seat of their pants and just, you know. At least they have something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, 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 their patient isn't the first one to tell them about these things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then back to the musician, how do you seek the right person? Um, when you're doing your online search, you type in audiologists in my area, people close to me or whatever, um, look on their websites for folks who specifically mention musicians care, hearing protection, or inner monitors. They might've thrown the language on their website without knowing what it means, but they probably intentionally did that. They probably put Fair. it there on purpose. Huh. Uh, the other thing that you can look for are, um, there are lists on many of the inner monitor manufacturers' websites of preferred audiologists. And these are generally slightly vetted lists. They're people who've either reached out to the inner monitor company and sent in molds to be approved, or uh, the inner monitor companies reached out and said, Hey, we don't have anybody in Nebraska. Are you comfortable doing this? Right. Got it. Um, so I know of two big lists, um, that a lot of folks, uh, use one is at the Jerry Harvey website, JH audio. The other one is sense which is the Chicago yeah. near monitor company. Yeah. Michael um, Santucci. Those both yeah, have, yeah. yep. Those both have very, uh, carefully vetted lists. Got it. Let's put it that way. So they're a good place to start. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I find that those it, it, nearly every 
IEM vendor has mm-hmm. their version of that list. Yep. I've talked with some who have said, oh, yeah, but don't use our list because it's so out of date. Like, you just right. got to find any audiologist in your area. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so it's good to know that, that the Sensophonics and the uh, the JH Audio lists mm-hmm. are the, are, 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 seem to be more starting manicured than, than some of the others. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Good starting point. Yeah. The other answer to that, if yeah. you'll indulge me, is. Yeah, of course. Um, since there's only something like 12 of us who focus 100% of our efforts on music and entertainment people, um, we have, we're available for virtual consults as well. Uh, and, um, you know, Music Cares, the Grammy yes. and uh, Recording Academy. Yeah. Um, I've been working with them for 10 something years now. They uh, have partnered up with this organization called Tuned, tunedcare.com. Got it. And and through Music Cares, anybody who's eligible for it, which just means you're in the music industry for five years or you've released five or six records, I forget how many it is, or, or commercial releases, uh, you're eligible for all these benefits. And one benefit is a annual one-hour consult with a music audiologist online a virtual console amazing and and half of the time that i spend on these consults is very often just finding them local resources okay you're in los angeles i've got two people in los angeles who are just world class i'll send you to them you're in nashville guess what there's 10 people in nashville that you can sure. go and see yeah you're in nebraska we're gonna do a little bit of hunting online and finding somebody right yep and uh, half the time when I see folks on these um, televisits, uh, they're touring, they're traveling, they're off in places. And I say, well, what are the next 10 cities you're going to? Mm. Oh, you're going through Atlanta. I've got somebody in Atlanta. Right. Great. We got you covered now. So it's just finding, helping identify those who will reduce the burden of remakes, reduce the burden of, I've got to go explain this all. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and and then, yeah, and then you mentioned, you know, it's hard to find an audiologist in your area in New, in, uh, uh, New Hampshire. Um, that's what the virtuals are for. Yeah, that's right? We can great. have the deep conversation, and then you can go to a local audiologist, get the ear molds, do a thorough hearing test, and you've basically gotten uh, the same as coming and seeing me in Philly. That's great. Arguably. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that tuned resource, I had no idea mm. about that. So that like, we might've buried the lead folks. <laughs> it took 35 oh, so minutes. No, no. <laughs> I think it's great. Like I, I'm, I, we've been doing this nine years and I've never heard of, of tuned. So yeah. like I'm stoked. Yeah. 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 Well, it's only been about a year and a half. Okay. Um, you know how music cares has been doing hearing protection, custom earplugs for Gosh, I don't know how many yeah. years, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what we would do is go to venues, go to festivals, line up folks, get them registered, get them, um, check their eligibility, and then fit them with custom earplugs. Yep. Um, and so I'd do these clinics. We would ship off 10, 50, 100 earplugs off to all these folks. And then we follow up two years later, and it turns out half of them never opened the package because they didn't need them in the first place. They just liked the idea of a free thing. Yeah. Half of them lost the earplugs. Then that leaves not too many people. <laughs> so many things that are good for us. I, I It was said to me early on, you know, the reason you have to pay for therapy is so that it helps you. And mm. uh, <laughs> like, like you're, what the, the, the story yeah. you just shared, it supports that. Like people who went and spent and custom fit earplugs aren't terribly expensive. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not cheap. They're not, they're not free mm-hmm. unless you get them this way. But, you know, for 150 bucks for the earplugs, probably another, well, 50 to 150 for the molds, depending on mm-hmm. who you go to and how you get those done. I, yep. But still, you know, you're, you're one to $300 in for these things. But if you're going to spend one to $300, you're probably not going to forget about these things. Correct. And, whereas if they show up for free, yep. uh, you might, like you said, you might never, yeah. you might never even open the box because you didn't order them. You didn't spend your money on them. So, yeah. yeah you might not. No, I mean, I, there, there are exceptions to of that. Of course. Obviously. I've had of people course. reach out and said, hey, look, eight years ago, you fit me with these custom ear plugs. They saved my, you know, touring career. And now I've lost one. Uh, I will 
trip over, you know, multiple city lines or state lines to get to you to get this replaced because it means that much to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, so music cares we, during the pandemic, we had to stop the clinics. Sure. Right. Go figure. Um, and when they decided to restart the clinics and they are doing some now, uh, they said, how can we make this more impactful? How can we get more, um, of our actual goal, which is protecting folks hearing done and sending out earplugs is very much, uh, giving a man a fish, right. Uh, versus (laughs) doing consults and training folks and having these conversations and giving them resources and contacts is teaching. Yeah. And uh, the earplug might be a part of that, but very often I get people who go, now that I understand how important this is, my own money, my own pocketbook is coming out. I'm going to sell that pedal that I haven't used in 10 years. And that's 300 bucks right there. And that's a pair of earplugs and, uh, that's worth it. Yeah, I agreed. All right. So I'm going in, I'm getting fitted for, uh, in-ear monitors, Oh yeah, inner monitor. That's okay. No, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This was a this was a good little detour. I just figured I'd bring us back. So I'm I'm getting fitted. You know, there's like if if you've listened to a conversation about this, the subject of bite blocks comes up. There, you know, some mm-hmm. people, some manufacturers want them, some manufacturers don't care. Some say you should be moving your mouth during the process. Some say you should be still. In general. What can I as a patient do as I'm going in to get molds done to give myself the best chance of the right fit the first time? I love that. And and there's a lot to talk about here too, but the the short I always like the short answer to something is yeah. whichever manufacturer you are ordering from, you've decided on a model, you've decided on yep. a brand, for whatever reason you did, follow their instructions. That's the short answer because they know their product the best um, and they know their manufacturing process the best too. Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, you had all, you had um, all Claire on. I, yep. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on his name. Um, Andy Swanson from all Claire. Thank you. You're welcome. Andy Swanson from all Claire. Um, he talked about how his uh, production process asks for a specific kind of impression because they don't make adjustments to X, Y, and Z, the canal dimensions and the morphology at first fit. So they want a consistent not consistent starting point. Sure. Which means if they have to make an adjustment, the second step to that is they can say, so since you did it with the bite block the first time, try it without, try it with mouth closed, try it with mouth open, um, and we'll go from there. We'll figure out which one's going to work versus if, they start from any random starting point that the audiologist chose, then it's a much more complicated troubleshooting. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause they weren't there to do the, the arguably most important step in the process is getting the the mold. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's the reason that, that they, or anybody is going to ask for one thing or another. So one company might say no bite block is necessary. One might say closed jaw um, an important part to this conversation is, is that there are two main types of in-ear monitors. There's acrylic shell, yeah. hard, hard plastic, and then there's soft silicone or soft plastic. They're both plastic. I hear both sides of the argument throwing words at each other saying yours are made out of plastic. And it's like, well, well, yeah, it's all plastic. It's all, pl- um, it's all plastics. These days. We're back to the graduate, right? Yeah, it's all plastics. It's all ball bearings. It's all, um, well, that's so, Fletch. That's right. <laughs> From the graduate to Fletch in 14 seconds, folks, this is what you showed up for. <laughs> I love it. God. Um, so with silicone in your monitors, since it's a dynamic material, they usually require a dynamic jaw. So your jaw should be moving like it's going to be moving when you're using it. And So if you're a sax player, I have sax players bring their mouthpiece or even their whole sacks so that their embouchure is captured which adjusts their ear canal shape yeah trombone players um trumpet players dizzy gillespie's you know giant mouth trombone playing is going to change his ear canal shape you can just see it i had a opera singer the other day who does um she does opera voice but it's more for like uh stage shows so she's not necessarily like um 
the opera singer on stage. Sure, sure. Probably wouldn't wear yeah. inner monitors. She's backstage making those amazing sounds with her face. Um, and she needs inner monitors. But every time that she sings, her inner monitors pop out of her ears like a like a cartoon. So we had her singing at, you know, a hundred decibels in the in the <laughs> office. With the um, with the material in her ear. With the material in. Yeah. So and then her perfect. inner monitors, guess what? They don't pop out. They feel a little weird when she's not singing. Of course. But when she when she does the you when know, she opens mouth wide, open, yeah. They stay in. And that's when she needs it. So you just kind of uh you have to match the shape of the person's action for it, if that makes sense. It totally um, makes sense. And and the, I I would I, my my advice to folks would be have this com- if you if, you know, have this conversation with with somebody like Frank here, you know, remotely if you can, but mm-hmm. regardless even if you have had the conversation with someone like Frank, have the same conversation with your audiologist because yep. the more they know about why they're doing what they're doing, the mm-hmm. better they're going to be, you know, if, if all they know, if it, you know, information doesn't need to be siloed here, right? Yeah. Like share is, is, there's no, there's no top secret things going on. Share mm-hmm. as much as you can with the person who's doing those molds for you even if they haven't yeah. been through it before, they might have been through something similar. You might trigger up. Well, this is reminds yep. me of, okay, great. Now we're mm-hmm. collaborating here. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. All when right. the question is, I don't know what I'm doing. Follow the sheet. Yes. Follow the instructions from the manufacturer. When the audiologist is involved in the conversation though, you can get more nuanced. And I remember you mentioning, and maybe I'm uh, misremembering this, that when you got your molds recently done, they didn't use a bite block, but they used a different technique. Yeah, he didn't have a bite block, but sure. he said, I totally understand why you would want that. So yep. here's the thing. Relax your jaw and mm-hmm. leave it relaxed during the whole thing. You know, don't clamp your yep. teeth shut, but don't like open your mouth like you're pretending to be a snake eating an egg. You know, it was yeah. just relax your jaw. I understand what needs to happen in your ear and what a bite block would do. Mm-hmm. So trust me on this. Do this; it'll work out. And yep. and they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe this will be a tangent, maybe too technical. You have the editing abilities to make the show better <laughs> if you choose. Yeah, but I'm a lazy but, podcaster, so you're going to hear this, folks. Here it goes. I love it. Yeah, I'm trying I'll, to. Learn I'll to rein you in podcaster. if I need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, bite blocks. Gosh, there's so much to talk about with bite blocks. Uh, the first thing is. If they ask for a bite block and and the the manufacturer says just use a bite block, the reason is they want a consistent starting point. Not that the bite block is magical. The bite block doesn't do anything magical to the ear canal. It doesn't fix anything. In fact, there's been the studies that they base that recommendation on show that something like 30% of ear mold impressions would be better without it. Got it. But the fact that you're consistently starting at the same starting point is the purpose of it. That makes sense. I carry bite blocks with me when I do inner monitor impressions. The last time I used one was several years ago, though, because every time that somebody says, it says bite block, I say, great, this is the reason for the bite block. I'm going to do it a different way. And if you have any problems, I'll be happy to redo your impression. And guess what? I don't have to do those redoing those impressions because they come back great. So it's exactly that technique that you talked about. The purpose of the bite block is to hold the jaw open in a consistent, non-moving position. The problem with the bite block, two things. One, keeps your lips open too. And yep. that's uncomfortable for five, ten minutes. Super uncomfortable. Dry mouth. It's horrible. Yeah, it sucks. I hate hearing people breathing like that. Oh, it's yeah. just everything's <laughs> bad about it. I call it modern <laughs> torture. And you have to taste like the styrofoam. It's just really yeah. yucky. Yeah. Uh, if the CIA is listening, uh, you know, one hour with a bite block uh, sounds like a, a great way to torture somebody. Oh, yeah. People um, people give everybody up if, if you force them to go yeah. through that. That's right. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the other problem with it is that I often find people clenching onto the bite block, which is the opposite of what we want. We want you to not clench your jaw. So the bite block can actually introduce a problem point there. So what I recommend people do is my imagery, I'll give it out for free, I don't care, is exactly what you said. You relax your jaw. I call it the dumb guy look where you just kind of drop your jaw like, yep. I don't, 
anybody in audio, I'm sorry for that sound that came out of me. Um, but you can keep your lips together so your mouth doesn't get dry. So the idea is teeth apart, lips together. And then I say, imagine that you had a very small egg in your mouth that you were trying not to crush the whole time. Oh. So just relax the jaw, hold it there. Think of it like a yoga position. It's not supposed to hurt. You're not supposed to see how low your jaw can get and touch the floor. Um, and if you can do that for the whole time and not talk, then our impression is going to come out more consistent and better than if I used a bite block. That makes it sense. avoids those negatives. Yeah, it avoids the clenching and all that. Yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense. All now right. I'll explain that to folks. And then if they say, but the sheet says bite block, fine. I got them in my bag. Yep. You're, you're, this is it. Yep. I'll be happy to torture you. <laughs> yeah. As someone who has, has used bite blocks, it, it, it is torture. It's awful. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like it. When my doctor said we can do it without a bite block, I understand. And basically, you know, the same thing you said, I couldn't have been happy. I was like, yep, I'm on board. I, I will, yeah. I will follow all of your instructions if we can avoid a bite block for the next five minutes. Yeah. All right. One, one uh, probably last thing that I want to ask you (laughs) (laughs) is sort of combining several things that we've talked about. The, you know, initially we talked about turn it down, right? 3 dB lower Mm -hmm. is twice as safe. When you put your ear monitors in, especially for first time, you know, people Mm -hmm. getting into this, you're used to a hundred dB stage. And so yeah. you put the ear monitor in and the natural inclination for most people is to turn it up to what you're used to, which isn't helping your hearing. It might help you hear better. You might, you know, cause you're going to have your own mix now, but it's not going to help your hearing. So I'm curious if you have any advice for folks, especially not just folks getting into this also for folks like me who've been wearing in-ears for 20 years what how do you coach people in keeping those levels of your in-ears down that is such a good question so uh, i like to base things on research because it's you know smarter people than me have have looked at these questions sure right and there is a great study that's referenced a lot in these conversations from 2008 where they gave a bunch of people uh, stage monitor mixes very similar to you know just a regular stage setup yep. with monitors playing at them. They were singing into microphones um, and and playing their instruments, and they were asked set your levels. Like they actually gave them a volume control. Set your okay. level of your stage monitor to where it's good for you. You can hear everything, and fine. And they measured the, the output. They measured how much sound is going into their ears, and then they did the same exact thing with well fit in ear monitors. And they happen to be isolating silicone in your monitors. Yeah, there we go. Ricketts and uh, Fetterman. Yep. Um, and I'll put the link in the show notes for everybody, folks. Yeah, 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 it's the best. Fascinating. And the outcome was that people chose almost to the exact decibel within plus or minus one dB the same output level in their in-ear monitors as they chose in wedge monitors. Yeah. And the question that they were trying to answer was, are in-ear monitors safer? And the obvious answer to that question with that outcome is no. They the, the devices themselves are not safer. They don't protect your hearing by default. No. By default. They however they support a healthier listening level if you know to pick it. So yeah. the answer is we have to actually make a conscious choice to say I I know what I like to monitor at. I know or let's rephrase that. I know what I've been monitoring at and what what I've been doing and how it feels. Yeah. Um, is that really how much sound I need? So I, so we always ask the question just like, well, how much do I need then? And the way to get to that point is very simple. And it's probably what a lot of people do naturally, um, or intuitively you start with the volume all the way down and you slowly raise it up until it's just enough. Yep. If you, if you aren't getting what you need, you can raise it up a little bit more. But instead of saying, I'm going to start where I normally start and go from there, that's you're only going to be overwhelming your ears and probably setting it at the same or even a louder level. It might be louder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, and then these darn inner monitors, they sound so good. You want to hear loud more. Levels. They don't distort yeah. that people just go like, well, cool. Now it's an ice cream bar. Let's just 
Yeah. Let's just go to town and, <laughs> you know, might as well just have six scoops. No, you know, let's, let's start low. Yep. You know, high quality, low, low quantity. There's a better, better way about it. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, my, cause I, I don't trust myself, right? I know that, mm-hmm. that, that volume creep happens, right? Especially if you're in the middle of a show or something and it's like, oh, I need a little more of this and you, you crank it up and then you start the next gig with that setting where you saved it at the end of the prior one and without sort of rebuilding that mix and rebuilding a mix for every gig is tedious. And certainly none of us are going to do that. But what I will do is take the output volume and turn it down a couple of notches and start there. And often I will have to bring it up and, and wind up splitting the difference or whatever it is, which is fine. But to your point, starting with it lower than I need it and getting it up to the minimum level that I need is mm-hmm. is where I try to be. I, I'm I, I'm certain I fail at this probably more often than I don't. <laughs> but I at least try to be aware of this yeah. would be a good thing to do every time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it it goes back to something, and it's you know it's the new year, so this kind of falls into line with being topical. Is question your habits. Oh, right. You have like, a habit. Yeah. Right. And your habit is to start your your amp at eight on the output. You know, question if that habit has maybe an alternative that can be healthier or better sounding or contribute to a longer career or, uh, you know, support you a little bit better. So just question the habit. It might be that that habit remains. Yep. But at least you questioned it. But at least you did it intentionally. Yeah, it wasn't just exactly. it, it wasn't just momentum that carried you there. I love that intentionally. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like I said. I come up with all these words. I mean, I didn't. I didn't invent the word intentionally. It turns out it was another guy. But it's a whole. We've got a lawsuit Webster. going on. Yeah, it was the yeah. Websters. That's right. It's freaking Websters. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this. This has been fantastic, and I think a that's a joy. that's a great sentiment to end on. Is is take all this knowledge and then yeah. that we've shared here, and then just use it to question all of our habits. I'm definitely going to be mm-hmm. questioning my habits about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because because I'm sure I listen too loud or I think I need my snare drum louder in my ears than I actually do Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. And again, it's fun. It sounds good. Enjoy it. Love it. You know, I had an engineer. In fact, it was it was uh, Bill Tasto, who is whenever Paul on the show over the years would say everybody needs a bill. That's the bill, Bill Tasto, Paul's sound okay. engineer and all that stuff. Yeah. And I went and played, this was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. I went and filled in for Paul's drummer uh, for a weekend uh, out West. And I, it, I had been on in-ears for, you know, 10 years at that point, but mm-hmm. Bill didn't know that. And he's like, oh, you're going to use in-ears? I'm like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know, I'm like, can I use my iPad to dial the mix? He's like, sure, of course, no problem. And he's like, you know, and I'm like, oh, which which channel's the snare, whatever. And he said, oh, it's you know, channel four, whatever it was. And he says, just be careful. You don't want to get too addicted to that snap of that snare drum in your mm-hmm. ears. He's like, because that'll hurt you over time. It's like, oh, like I I, oh, I already kind of knew that, but what great advice for a front of house engineer to give to a drummer, or yeah. you know, or any instrumentalist. But he's yeah. like, yeah, just don't get addicted to that snap. I was like, oh, it's a really good way to put it because yep. it is addictive going back guitar amps, going back to, you know, that ride symbol or that China symbol that just sounds amazing, but it's way too loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're addictive and uh, anything that's sweet and delicious and full of butter is addictive. And we, we get the same thing with sound. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, again, thank you for hanging out with us. Tell people where they can find you, Frank, if they want to, uh, if they want to get in touch or do a virtual session. Or, or I, I don't like calling it virtual. You are actually a real human, I believe. So <laughs> I'm going to call it a remote session. But be that I as was it replaced may. by AI a couple of years ago. That's smart. Right. Yeah, that's great, man. <laughs> uh, so so uh, televisits, virtual sessions are done through tunedcare.com. Okay. Uh, if you want to find something more memorable, just go to Music Cares, um, which we're all familiar with Music Cares. They do great work. Uh, check out their hearing wellness uh, section of their website and you'll get right over to tune care check your eligibility and love to see you over there amazing um if you're in philadelphia reach out to me my 
practice here is called earmark hearing conservation. Um, and I travel all over Philadelphia. I have a couple locations where I can see you. You can come to me, um, throughout the city, but usually I, most my folks I'm seeing in their studios or venues oh, or, interesting. or traveling around. I go up to New York a lot. I go down to Delaware, out to, you know, Lancaster, Lidditz, yeah. uh, Rock Lidditz is the big place out there. Um, so we're, uh, I travel everywhere to see people. Amazing. Um, and then uh, I do co-host a podcast on this topic. Uh, we generally are interviewing musicians or audio engineers or music audiologists, and we have conversations not too dissimilar to this, actually, which is great. Um, and it's called Talking Ears. And I co-host that with another audiologist, Dr. Juan Vasquez. He's in Chicago. And uh, yeah, any of those places. Amazing. Thank you for sharing your time with us, sharing your expertise with us. This has been absolutely fantastic. Folks, if you want to contact us here at GigGab, that's feedback at GigGabPodcast.com. We'd love to hear your questions. And if you've got questions that you want us to ask Frank so that we can share them on the show, that would be great too. Frank, do you have three words to share with us before we all say goodbye today? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say love your music. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Love your music. Love your music. There Other you people go. do. You might as well love it. Absolutely. And of course, always be performing. We'll see you next week.